Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Welcome to prison. <laughs> I feel like I'm in prison sometimes. Hello, Look. Melba Toast Shore. Hi, and Scotty. Hello. I need a massage. I do. Mel, what are we going to talk about today? I think we're talking about possessions. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be like spiritual possessions like you're getting possessed oh like the exorcist yeah is that not it maybe we should change okay <laughs> or maybe that will be part two but you want to talk about physical possessions of your dead person right correct okay what do you want to say about it <laughs> i was trying to form a sentence in my head people after they they die the possessions that they leave behind take on a life of their own and it becomes this really weird thing that the people left behind have to deal with yeah it's true and isn't it so funny too because as we go along life people are always like the things that matter in life aren't things they're the things that are unseen and the memories but then somebody dies and then you care about their things yeah. And you have to deal with their things. You have to decide because guess what? Dead people don't wear shirts anymore. They don't wear socks anymore. 
they don't wear shoes, they don't ride bikes. And so you're left with all of this stuff that you have to decide what to do with it. And there's an incredible amount of outside pressure to do the right thing at the right, with the right timing. Like a lot of people will try and push you into, um, getting rid of their stuff before you're ready to, or people want, you know, can I have their whatever, or, you know, things like that. Yeah. It's a whole bag of fun. Do you want to tell us what you did with Scott's stuff right after he died or just in the time between when he died and now? Sure. Scott had so many kitchen utensils and gadgets. That's so why much. we're soul sisters. You and Scott are soul yes. sisters. It's yes. true. <laughs> and so when he died, I had all this kitchen stuff. I'm kind of the type that's like, give me a pan and a fork and a knife and a plate, paper plates, maybe. So I was left with all these things and I'm like, oh man, like they remind me of Scott, but there's so many things. Like, what am I going to do with them? Like, also, I don't even want to eat food. Why would I want to make food anymore? So I also had to move out of our house within the first six months because the place where we were renting from was like, we're selling the house, get out. Like, oh gosh. So I really had to like do this soon. So what I ended up doing with some of his kitchen stuff is, his nephew wanted to learn how to make cakes because Scott also made cakes. So I, I let him have some of those things so that they could have the memories. And then if they were not going to take the things, I didn't feel like selling them because that was too much. Um, I kind of had people, work. I know I had people like waiting in the wings that were like, I will take that of Scott's. Are you kidding? He has all this William Sonoma stuff. So, um, so that's what we, I did with this cooking stuff and I didn't care about it. But we do like my mom has a pan. We have some some of his things, and it's funny because still, he you know you don't wash pans, but sometimes if you're lazy, you're like I'm gonna wash this pan in the dishwasher. That's what I mean. You don't wash pans in the dishwasher. Yeah. And every time we put it uh, in the sink to wash it, we're just like, don't ever put it in the dishwasher. And we're like, Scott's somewhere haunting. So we think about him when we see the pan, but I did get rid of a lot of stuff because it's just so much stuff. And like, I had to move out and, and I didn't really have a, a permanent place for a while after moving out. So yes, Anita, do you think you would have gotten rid of his stuff so quickly if you didn't have to move out or would you just kind of sat on it and not done anything with it? I would have done nothing with it. Cause I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So it kind of yeah, forced it, you. it forced me to, I had to box up all his shirts and all those things. So I do have a box still of his shirts in case I want to make the bears or whatever, you know, that people make. And, but he had like a weight set. He had all sorts of things. And, and it was, it was stressful to know what to do with them, but I, I was so in shock from him dying and also kind of just like, this is so ridiculous that I, I personally don't attach a lot of memories and feelings to objects, like maybe one or two, but not all of it. So I might be on the not as common end of a spectrum of feeling super bad about getting rid of things. Cause it just helped me to clutter, get the clutter out, but you have a different story. Also remember me and Scott were only together two yes. years. I don't think you're abnormal. I think that there are a lot of people on that spectrum who want to kind of move through it quickly so they don't have to do it. And, you know, later and the objects don't really mean that much to them. Maybe. I don't think that that's weird. 
I mean, you're weird, but I don't think it's weird that you have that. We know people in the widow wives club who have been like that. Um, for me, we didn't, I didn't have to move. I didn't have to go anywhere. Jason's shirts are still in the closet. It's been almost three years. And, um, the only time that I have moved stuff, (laughs) this is kind of, it, it makes me feel selfish, but kind of, I'm like, this is a good way to do it too, is for instance, um, I moved all the stuff out of his drawers when I was like, why am I stuffing all of my stuff into these drawers over here when there's this perfectly good set of drawers that really isn't being used? So that's when I like cleaned out his socks. Um, Right after he died, though, I did go through the closet and I threw away all of the shirts of his that I hated. (laughs) Because there was a few that I was like, I hate this shirt. Gone. And that was really easy. And it was kind of like, I'm mad at you. I'm getting rid of this shirt. I've always hated it anyway. Um, I have like four of his bikes are still hung up in the garage and I don't know what I'm ever going to do with them. If I'm ever going to do anything with them or if I'm just going to leave them and until I come upon somebody who needs it or I need the space. Um, I was though the other day, Mel watching the show hoarders because sometimes I watch that to make myself feel better about my own life and my own house with my crazy kids. I'm like, okay, at least it's not like that. And there was a lady whose son had died. It had been many, many years and they had kept the bedroom and all of his stuff in it. And I was like, oh, at what point in time does it become disordered that you don't get rid of their stuff? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer to that question. I wonder if it's just like, if it's interrupting your, your life and how you function, or if there's a point where it's like, okay, they're gone. Keeping their stuff in the same place is weird or unhealthy in a way. What if you keep all their stuff, but you put it in a storage shed for years, and then you're paying a ton of money to a storage shed company. And you're like, it's just stuff. And it's like, you don't want to get rid of it, but you don't want to keep paying for it. Like there are a lot of questions that, that will go through people's minds. And I have another question. Yes. Tiny hand Mel in the front row. Scott worked with theater people because he was a director and with kids and with casts and Jason you're gonna say cats <laughs> oh he hated cats <laughs> and Jason taught school and so I'm assuming he would get some letters of appreciation and things like that too Scott had so many of those things and anytime you direct a show the cast gives the director a memento or something from yeah. the show or whatever that means a lot to them so I had all these mementos from casts and, and these signed posters and big things. And that's the stuff where I was like, what in the world am I going to do with it? And now I've, I'm a touring musician. So like I've been on the road and I have things sort of like that, but I learned for myself to kind of get rid of them and just maybe keep pictures or something. If it wasn't some, you know, you can accumulate a lot while you're on the road, but that was hard. Cause I was like, well, what do I do with it? So, so sorting through those things if there were something that meant would mean something to his like nieces or nephews or his family, I would ask them about it. And then I had to just get rid of stuff. Cause what am I going to do with a Mary Poppins paperweight? <laughs> what aren't you going to do with a Mary Poppins paperweight? Yeah. Think of all of the things. So Jason, like you're yes. In his classroom, he had a whole bunch of things and it was kind of like you're saying, like, um, like you were saying, 
you know, little gifts of appreciation. Plus he just gathered like weird stuff. If we ever got weird things, he would take them to his classroom and stick them up on the shelves in the classroom. And when he died, um, I asked his sister to just go take everything and put it in. Cause unlike at home, like that stuff had to be dealt with. And I, they're just in a bucket, but not a bucket, uh, a container. I haven't even looked through any of it. It's just still somewhere. I don't even know where it is, but I do, I do kind of understand it's like, it was meaningful to them. And so you almost feel this weird, like it should be meaningful to me also, but it's kind of not. Yes. So then you feel guilty that you're not keeping it because you know, it meant something to them. It's true. Yeah. I totally feel like that. That, that is weird. Um, yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what the right answer is. I do know that as a society, we have too much stuff right? We're just inundated with stuff. And that's why there are shows like hoarders, but I do not live in a hoarder house. No, she does not. I can attest to that because I have been there recently. Something that's really interesting for me though, is some of the things that were Jason's have taken on more meaning than they had when he was alive. And for instance, he had and and this also happens for my daughter who's 15 she has things that were his that have taken on a bigger representation of his life than they really should because they weren't that big of a deal to him when he was alive but he has a he loved comic books and he had a a book about comic books and one of the pages got torn out and I would not have cared about this book one single iota before he died but after he died, it was like, we can never get those things back. There will never be another Christmas gift that he gets, or there will never, you know, he will never own another book. So we have to take care of the things that were his because they cannot be replaced. So my kids will find me like going nuts on them for breaking or not being respectful enough. I'm doing this a lot today respectful enough of some of his possessions because in my mind they hold greater weight than they would have if he was still alive does that make any sense do they hold as much weight as a mary poppins paperweight i wish i had the mary poppins paperweight that would have been cool actually my kids probably would have just like thrown at each other so yeah i mean it makes sense i wonder what what point can we get to to where it's an unhealthy thing and to where we are not taking a look at our own life and living our own life Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what I was wondering when I was watching hoarders I was like is the fact that his clothes are still in the closet does that mean that I'm not moving through my grief does it mean I'm stuck you know that word pops up a lot and I don't know what it means something that we kind of talk about every so often. I mean, I would say if it's been like 60 years and you still have the clothes in there, maybe, maybe that's something to take a look at. Cause but what you, about 59 years? I, I mean, don't, there probably isn't a line. There probably isn't, you know, it's probably more about how it's affecting your mentality and how you're living your life now. Like you said, it's a gradient Anita. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's what I think too. It's like, it's going to be individual for each person, but I do believe that there are things we can look at within ourselves to know if holding onto somebody's possession is helping us to either move forward or holding us back. Or if it's just neutral, 
you know, is it just because you're busy and you don't really need to take care of it? So you're just not going to worry about it. And it doesn't really affect you one way or the other. Yeah. It it could be that too. Or my favorite is people that have shrines. I think shrines are so cool. And a lot of people do that right after their person has passed away. So they have like a little table with things and mementos and, and, and Dia de los Muertos is coming up. And that's like a thing too, like where they make the ofrenda. So kind of the same. I think that's more temporary though. Another consideration that I have that you might not have like conceptualized, maybe a little bit for your nieces and nephews is I don't want to get rid of stuff and then find that my kids wanted a connection to their dad. So for instance, like Jason's suits, my boys are too small to wear them now, but in a few years, they might be big enough and might appreciate having something like that of his. And how do you differentiate what's going to be meaningful to somebody in a few years when all that they care about right now is eating candy and, you know, Pokemon? Yeah. What if you, as the mom went through and you selected one thing for each kid, like, okay, here's one suit for each boy. Here's one baseball glove, whatever. Here's one bike or because (laughs) I mean, because they won't know what they're missing. Yeah, that's true. You get rid of stuff. I just feel this weight upon me to try and predict and not let them down. Um, they go, Oh, I really wish that I would, I would have that of my dad's when, I mean, I'm probably overthinking it because it's like you said, like, they're not going to know that there was that checked shirt with blue and yellow lines. They probably won't even know that that ever existed. So I shouldn't overthink not having that for them. But as a parent, I do feel this great responsibility to keep them connected to their dad and to keep that memory alive. And I think that that can help that can happen with possessions, with things that that person owned. Have you seen the new movie that just came out, The Starling? No. With Melissa McCarthy. It's on Netflix. Uh Uh-uh. So it's about grief. It's about loss. It's about child loss. Now, anybody who has not seen it that wants to see it, just skip ahead like a couple of minutes because there will be spoiler alerts in it. But there is a part in there where the, the mom, who's Melissa McCarthy, feels like like somebody tells her well you need to start moving forward so you need to get rid of the things and so she goes gets rid of all of the things like all the things and so it was interesting to watch as a fellow griever you know of course I don't have child loss but um but I've dealt with like portions of these things you know with Scott dying and and part of the things in the movie that bothered me. I was like, why are you erasing completely the memory? Like, and, and, you know, of course the therapist like recommended it to her. And anyway, it kind of made me mad, but then also in the movie, it did show that she was like, oh, maybe that wasn't the right decision. And then the husband had a super bad reaction to it. Cause she's just like, well, I got to move forward, but like, this is keeping me stuck. And there's maybe not a good answer So anybody who's not seen that movie, maybe you have skipped ahead already. Go watch it if you want, but anybody who has seen it probably knows what I'm talking about. So it was really interesting that we are now talking about possessions and that that was part of that movie. I've seen that in other shows too, where there's this idea that, you know, the outside world pushes you 
to get rid of those things because there is this idea that it's holding you back. But I don't think it's appropriate to push people into making a decision like that. I think that's something that the griever themselves has to come to terms with when is the right time to do that? Because I think that that can create a lot of really intense feelings. First of all, that they've gotten rid of something and they can't get it back. And second of all, that they weren't the one who initiated that choice. So, I mean, and there are some outside scenarios that will force a person, like when your house is moved, like you have to go through those things. But, um, but for the most part, I think it should be up to the person when they want to do that, which gets a little bit tricky when you start adding in kids and, you know, the parents of your person and the siblings and all of the people who want to get in on that. But I know a lot of people who have given away things of their spouse quickly, and then they regret doing that and not taking some time to really be considerate about what they would like to keep and how they would like to go about dispersing the the items. Yeah. There's a reason why it's recommended to not make any big decisions like that. If you can help it for about two years, your brain's just like, mush. Yeah. Here's another thing in-laws fighting over possessions that the spouse has. Mm -hmm. That's why I just think you just say like, I mean, this is not going to work for everybody, but just like, I'm not doing anything right now, guys. You know, Mm -hmm. when I'm ready to do this, then we can have that discussion about what you can have. And, and hopefully they can be respectful of that, but that's, uh, we're thrown into a lot of really terrible things that we did not ask for. Have you listened to the podcast Confronting O.J. Simpson by Kim <laughs> Goldman? No. <laughs> I'm throwing all sorts of things at me. I know, Mel's like, listen to my eclectic tastes. Well, well it, this is reminding me of it because there is a therapist in there that's an expert and he has lost his son. And he tells a story because they're talking about grief because Kim Goldman lost her brother and there's all sorts of, you know, relatable things in there. And then of course, all of the crazy stuff that went with that case. So they do talk about grief and moving through grief and like how it is like certain years versus other years. And the therapist mentioned a story about a t-shirt that his son had and the girlfriend of his son wanted to keep it. And she's like, please, can I just keep it? Uh, And, and he was really hesitant and he inside was like screaming, no, why? I don't want to give it to you. I don't want you to have it but he did. And he goes, I'm so glad that I did because then a year or two later she came to me and was like, okay, I've had it for long enough. I don't feel like it's mine anymore. Hmm. I'm giving it back. So then she gave it back to him. And then it's, it's kind of a cool story because it ends up that he starts seeing this shirt everywhere after she gave it back to him. So it was kind of like a sign that he was still there. So there can be ways to work things out to where it's not like, this is mine, this is mine, or maybe things can be shared, but it's hard. It's a time of high emotion for everybody. Everybody's lost a person in a death and it's, it's a crapshoot. Some things go okay. Some don't. I feel like with Scott's family, all of us are kind of just like, do you want this? Do you want this? So it was relatively easy to deal with things like that. And then there's some people who are like, please take some of this stuff. <laughs> and everybody's like, I don't want it. Like, that's, what's going to happen when my, like my grandparents die, they think they have all of these great heirlooms and everybody's like, nah, I don't want any of that. <laughs> so, yeah. Could go the other way. Um, I'm interested to hear what the people listening 
how they've dealt with possessions, if they feel like it's something that's kept them stuck, if they were in a rush, if they felt compelled to do it, or if they've done it on their own timeline, or if they haven't done it at all. So tell us all about your experiences with possessions. If you have regrets, or if you think you did it the right way, good job. All of the things. If you have a matching Mary Poppins paperweight, please comment below and let me know. And if you have not joined our widow wives club yet on Facebook, please do so it's free. And we have a great supportive community. It's for widowers and widows only. And those mean anybody who's experienced partner loss. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're two young widows. One of us used to have a Mary Poppins paperweight. <laughs> We're trying to figure out. <laughs> widow. widow. We do now. Oh. Let's go fly a kite. <laughs>